Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Hey folks, a couple of things to get out of the way before we jump into this episode with returning guest Brian James O'Connell. We have our newsletter and this is the eighth week of the launch and the final week of our book giveaway. And this week's book that we are giving away is a signed copy of Comedy Writing for Late Night TV and it's signed by the author Joe Toplin, who is previous guest and he was gracious enough to offer that for us. So thank you so much to Joe and thank you to everyone who has subscribed. This book is great. It's really, really great. And if you want to get better at writing comedy in general, not just late night writing, then you need to be subscribing to get a chance to win that book. All you have to do is subscribe. It's a free weekly newsletter. And that subscription will be one entry into the contest, and we're going to draw that winner this Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook at There It Is Pod. The other thing that we're going to mention is that in a couple of weeks, uh, the week after this weekend, after after this is last weekend of September. My house team, Sweetheart, at the Magnet Theater is going on the road. We are doing two shows at the Improv, the 6th Annual Improv Festival of Cincinnati, also known as If Cincy, and we're going to be performing Friday and Saturday night there. We will give details on that on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at There It Is Pod. So be on the lookout for that if you are in Cincinnati. All right, folks. Well... I've been talking for a long time about having a guest back on the show, and we finally did it. And it's with guest Brian James O'Connell, and he is an actor, a director, and an improviser and instructor. He is a genius, and I don't want to make him feel like I'm tooting his horn too much, so I'll just end there. He's great. We have a brilliant discussion. Oh, there I go again. Well, here it is. Here's my chat with Brian James O'Connell. How are things up north there for you? Great. We're loving the improv and comedy community here. We've made a lot of really great friends here, too, so it's it's been real good for us. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. We talked a bunch of improv before when you were on, but uh, you're an early guest, so a lot has happened since then. That is, that is true. I'm trying to remember the last time. This was at least a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it was more than two and a half because I was still living in Greenville, I believe, when when we talked. That is that is correct. That yeah. is correct. This was we did it a little bit after uh, Liz and I came down and did a uh, chloroform at the uh, New South Comedy Festival. Yeah, and uh, which was great. I really appreciated, especially looking back and and having learned what I've learned since and seen what I've seen since. It's just a total. You have a. a your own perspective, or at least you're coming from a world that has a perspective that's all its own. That uh, I love seeing all these different perspectives and approaches to improv, and seeing yours, which is so different than what I was exposed to in Greenville and what I'm exposed to here, was just really dope. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, we're all. Let's be honest. We're all standing on the shoulders of giants. So, right. <laughs> and, uh, and in the very, and in the very beginning of anyone's improv training, uh, no matter where they're studying, they're all kind of learning the same things. You know, listen, support, uh, take care of the other person, uh, slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to say a bunch of stuff, and then you know you start getting into the other stuff of like, all right, then what's the what's the specific philosophy or beliefs of a particular you know theater? All that kind of stuff. So it's always it's always nice to sort of get as many different perceptions and, and perspectives, I should say, mm-hmm. as humanly possible. So that's why I always love you know I love traveling. I do camps, uh, you know, doing camping Profitopia, uh, but I also travel a lot and teach. But uh, the big the big fun thing for me always is learning 
uh, you know, learning what the the base philosophy of whatever community I'm in, not not just one theater, just like overall, they're like, oh, this theater does a little bit of this, and this theater does that, and then the only thing is that uh, I usually I'm in and out in a weekend because I'm just there to teach workshops and, and fly back to L.A. But it's always kind of thinking like, oh man, I just want I just wish I had a couple of days on the front end or the back end or both. Like if I could just spend a week here and just go to shows completely anonymously, mm-hmm. just uh, you know. Because it's it's so rare I get to do that, you know, here in Los Angeles. Because a lot of people know me. So if I show up to the show, uh, most people are like, "Oh, that's great." I'm like, "Oh, that's nice." Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, "Oh, I'm just here to see a show." Like, "Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much." Mm-hmm. Uh, but being, but then of course, then they want to like know what I thought. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Or or they want to go afterwards in the bar and like sort of pick my brain or like, <laughs> well, yeah, which is fine. I love doing that. I I tell anyone anywhere in the world where I teach, I'm like, look, I'm not just your teacher for this three hours or for this eight weeks. I'm your teacher for life. Find me on Facebook. You have my email. If you ever have a question, please, for the love of God, ask me. I love talking shop. But it, it is just nice, the idea of, like, if I could, like, go to Greenville. Uh, like, so for example, if I could go to Greenville, and maybe someone will see me talking to you or Al mm-hmm. or, you know, or Harrison and be like, oh, that's somebody that they know. I don't know who that guy is. But just being able to go to the show, watch it, uh you know, and watch the way I watch shows, which is like, I'm there to learn. I'm there. Mm. Like, Funny is great. And I'm going to laugh and all that, but like, I want to learn. It's this uh, old thing from, uh, I read an, I read an interview a long time ago, uh, with Jimi Hendrix and he's, you know, he used to get busted. He mm-hmm. would sit in the back of a small London club and mm-hmm. watch a bar and like watch basically like, you know, it could be a band. It could be a newer band, struggling band. It could be a bar band. It could just, you know, band is just playing covers and stuff. <laughs> And he would just be there to try and just watch it, you know, analytically or just, or just be open to the experience. Mm-hmm. And then someone, someone caught him <laughs> and like someone walking out was like, wait a minute, you're, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm not nearly as recognizable as someone's Jimi Hendrix. Uh, right. like, wait a minute, you're Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. He's like, wait, this band sucks. This, you're like way better than, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, you know, I mean, this, you know, these guys are just new to get started, but like, that guitar player might, you know, have just like a little thirty seconds of beauty where he plays something beautiful, and that might inspire <laughs> me to write a song, like Spanish Castle Magic. And I was just like, after that, I was like, God damn! If it's if it's good enough for Hendrix, it's probably good enough for me. Yeah, uh, I was yeah, just so listening I, to an interview yeah. with Buddy Guy on WTF, and he was talking about oh. how. Um, oh yeah. It was like a recent. I just finished listening to it yesterday, <laughs> so it was a very recent mm-hmm. episode of WTF last week. Uh, great episode, and. He was talking in that about how he'd be at a show and he'd see Eric Clapton come in or somebody and they'd be sitting mm-hmm. in the back. And before they knew who they were, it was just like, who are these white guys in this <laughs> in this place? They assumed they exactly. were like cops, but they were yeah, musicians this, who just wanted to like English learn. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just see like white guys go in the room and what, what buddy guy has a funny anecdote about it, but. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, these guys were going to learn, you know, they were, they were going to mm-hmm. get more licks essentially and, and figure things out. Yeah. That is really, that is really cool to go and watch from that perspective. And I guess, yeah, if people see you coming in and they say, like, oh, Brian James is here, you know, like he's here. I got BOCs. Got to be good. Got to be good. But, you know, that, yeah. if they I mean, talk to you. I mean, and, I'm not. I'm not anybody like, I'm not even, I want to just make sure that like, I'm being clear about that. Like, who's this? Someone listens to this podcast. who doesn't <laughs> know me or you like, who's this asshole? He's not, he's not Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> but it is, it is sometimes like, you know, it is like a big fish in a small I, pond. And when I was teaching at IO, I would go and see randomly shows like up in the loft and stuff just to like support and, you know, and kind of lead through example, the idea that you're never too deep into the game to not, you know, be able to learn something or pick something up. But I, I did, I did have one group uh, who I was, I, former students, uh, a lot of them knew me, all that. And then just one guy came to me afterwards. <laughs> it was like, hey, um, we love that you come see our show. We are so flattered. We, are so, we know you could be anywhere. We know you're super busy. Um, you have to stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you've, you've come and seen our show three times. And every time we all get you know, clumped up like oh, BOCs here. That that thing is like we gotta be good and all that. And we proceed to have the worst shows that we do. 
when you're here. So please <laughs> stop coming to our shows. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, and like, I do understand where you're coming from of like not wanting to sound like a jerk, but yeah. you know, you've had these experiences and, and you, like if, if you showed up at the magnet for a show of mine, you're like, Oh, I got to be good tonight. You know, like, but that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Maybe you and a couple other people there would know who I was, but no one else. Like, that's my dream is to like <laughs> go to a place to be there long enough where I can just take a class, like mm-hmm. straight up. Let me take Magnet Level One, where nobody knows who I am. I'll, <laughs> I'll go by my middle name. I'm like, hey, yeah, just call me Jim. Yeah, it's good to be here. Like, yeah, <laughs> two people up. It's, are you going, me? Okay, yeah, I'll do this exercise. Just and you get, could like, do that. Could, you could go yeah. to Magnet because the level oneers wouldn't probably, most of them wouldn't know because it's they just got exposed to improv. So many of the yeah. level ones are like that, where it's like, yeah, I just heard about it and I thought it'd be fun. Like they did not know about it before. Mm-hmm. So, so you wouldn't have been someone who loomed large. Like Rick Andrews would know who you were, but. <laughs> yeah, I know, Rick. But uh, other than that, like, uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm going to Denver uh, next month, and so I'm looking forward. Uh, I'll be I'll be there for like five weeks. Oh, wow. uh, teaching it uh, at Voodoo Comedy. Yeah, it's uh, it's a new thing that Nick Armstrong and uh, Josh Nichols, who uh, are now the new owners of Voodoo Comedy in Denver, oh, they're trying cool. they're trying some new stuff, and uh, they are bringing me out. I'm the first. Uh, I'm the first. Oh, guest resident artist or a resident guest artist, however you want to say that, where I'm going to be teaching a, a, a specific 601 of just how to build an ensemble. And they'll get me, instead of eight weeks at three hours of pop, it'll be four weeks at six hours of pop. Uh, and then while I'm there, I have the rest of the week free. I'm just going to see a bunch of shows. I'm going to do drop-ins and jams. I'm like, I don't care that I've been doing it for almost 17 years now. Again, like Jimi Hendrix, I'm like, uh, I... It doesn't matter if someone's been doing it less than me, uh, less time than I have, or have been coaching or teaching less time than I have, or have been exposed to different training than I have, or have a different philosophy than me. I'm like, please, for the love of God, give me notes. Give me notes. I, mm-hmm. I want to get better. Yeah. You may have one note that just like, after a scene in a jam or a drop-in, they may give me one note that just pops open for me, and then that's like another 30 pages of stuff I'll be scribbling out of like, yes, this is what improv is. Yeah, and it's after going through all of the curriculum here, I signed up to mm-hmm. be kind of what's called a big sib, but it's just a facilitator for the class uh, for a level one mm-hmm. class with Rick. And oh, nice. it, yeah, and it was great to go back. It was my third time taking a level one class, you know. But yeah, but it was still it was still kind of like enriching in in various ways and new ways as well. Every yeah, every couple of years, uh, everyone should. I, I believe my personal belief is that every couple of years, you 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 it couldn't hurt to go and take a level one at a different school you haven't for, or just retake a level one with a different teacher at the same school you've been in. Right. Some sort of version of like a back basics refresher course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave uh, Dave uh, Craig Kikowski used to do that uh, in L.A. Uh, he it was just a little four week workshop. Uh, it's called doc, Dr. Khaki's uh, Improv Cleans. And, and you just, you know, like a lot of people in there who had been doing it for a long time and all that, it was just like, oh, right, just slow down, listen, respond to the last thing said, affect and be affected. And, and Khaki, who is, you know, a genius, will sit there and give you, you know, very specific, detailed individual notes. Most of the time, this is not his first rodeo with you. He's seen you play before. He's taught you. He's coached you on a team. He's played with you in a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Khaki, because he never sleeps, uh, or I don't know how he sleeps, uh, you get these long individual emails after each class of like what he saw and what he thinks you need to work on wow. and like a reference to a specific book or a video. Yeah, Craig Kikowski and, uh, and Eric Moneypenny, who uh, teaches sketch, at the pack theater and is as a professional writer, he's part of the midnight show used to be and all that. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys do a lot of emails, uh, lots of information on that. And it really forced me to like step up my game as a teacher where I'm like, I, I gotta give, I gotta give these students the bang for their buck. <laughs> yeah. I'm being, I'm being lapped. I'm being lapped by khaki and money penny. I can't have that. Yeah. And I can also speak to how thoughtful you are about that because you you don't step on toes or cross any lines. Um, you, you have a lot of integrity with that because I remember when I was about to do a one person show and I'd never done it. Um, mm-hmm. I had read something 
I don't know, online, like improv encyclopedia or something like that about a, right. a, uh, a style of solo improv. And I was asking you about it and you were very careful to say, well, I can't really speak to how it's done because, um, I haven't done it and I haven't really talked to the person who originated it on his approach to it. Um, mm-hmm. but what I can tell you about doing solo shows from my experience is, you know, and you went on and I really appreciated that, uh, because, you know, I wasn't even trying to say like, oh, how did he do it? But I really appreciated yeah. that you took the time to say, to, to keep his form true to him without any sort of outside ideas put onto it. Like that was, you were keeping his form intact. And uh, I appreciated that. Oh, thank, thank you, man. I mean, again, it's a, a high tide raises all ships. Uh, none of us should be in competition with each other. You know, we should all be working together to make our town an improv town. And then everyone's seats are full and everyone, mm-hmm. and then there's more students and more great shows. Uh, but also too, like, it, it's so, I think we forget that every once in a while. Like, it's just as easy to say something is not your cup of tea Mm-hmm. or that you don't have enough experience with it to speak on it than it is to uh that thing sucks that's no good i heard about that place that place is garbage. like any I, I sometimes see that where mm. i'll be talking to someone like oh i would never do a show over there because they're garbage this is the, like i'm so glad i'm at this theater because this theater is doing the real work and i'm like man do you know how obvious you are being about projecting your own insecurity because you've spent all this money and spent all this time and if you haven't hitched your star to the you know your wagon to the quote unquote correct star, then you'll feel like it was a failure or a waste mm. of time. And it's like, that's just not, that's just the, it's, it's the antithesis to, to this work. Learn from everybody. The, the ultimate goal of an improviser is should be able to walk on stage and play with anyone. Yeah. Uh, no, no matter, regardless, uh, uh, flip side of that is, I would say just for me personally, one of the reasons why uh, I, I do so much of this stuff uh, and, and want to learn and go on that because, uh, you know, not only because I'm in entertainment business and I want to like stay fresh and stay sharp for my own skills, but like personally, I don't want to, I don't want to ever rest on my laurels. I don't want to ever think mm-hmm. that like, Oh, I've had this comedy thing figured out or like, Oh, uh, because I've, I've known these people or I've done these shows and that's when stagnant stagnation can come in. Mm-hmm. And my worst, my worst fear is to be the 50 year old white dude, uh, on stage in an improv show, just tanking but not realizing I'm tanking because I haven't paid attention to what comedy is in the last 10 years. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't paid attention to how it evolves. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen it every once in a while. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're bad quote unquote improvisers or whatever like that. But I have seen sometimes where it's like, you know, like, like an old second city guy or something like that. And he's sitting in and he's making moves. And every time they, they make a move, it just, it's comedy death. The scene gets train wrecked and the other people have to like sort of pick it up mm. because they're doing they're doing a style of play that may not necessarily be um i almost said valid but that's not true uh they're doing a style of play that is a little outdated and mm-hmm. a little bit slower it's like it's like if you took a football player who's in the hall of fame but he played in the 1950s and you put him in you know yeah, he's a Hall of Fame football player, but you right. put him in 2019 and you have him, you put him in a Rams Patriots game, he'd be like, "What is, what is right. happening? Right? What is going on?" Yeah, so pace changed things. Yeah. You know, like the the pace has changed in basketball. You know, it's yeah. like it, it's oh, a yeah. much more physical game now. Um, it's not about yeah, finesse. Uh, plus, yeah, it's a lot of it too is because they're. I mean, they're talking about rules changes of like widening the court because they've just they've reached. <laughs> we've reached the limit. We've reached a, uh, an era where players are stronger and faster, have access to so much better training regimen. You know, like you know those yeah. Boston Celtics teams in the '60s. Those guys were eating cheeseburgers and smoking cigarettes <laughs> during halftime, and they were playing in like you know Chuck Taylors. Uh, yeah. And then the flip side of that too is like, as you know, I'm a huge NBA guy or basketball fan in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, a lot of that is too why we're seeing so many injuries that are non-contact injuries yeah. because you, people can train. They, they can be you know, like, there's so much science and technology involved, but at the end of the day, we haven't progressed as human beings where it's like, you can get your muscles bigger and you can be faster and leaner and all that stuff. But one thing that don't grow are like tendons mm-hmm. and you know, ligaments. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see a lot of guys are like guys just like, 
going up for rebound, coming back, passing the ball, taking two steps, and then like grabbing their calves because their Achilles just popped. Yeah. So there was no hurt. There was no contact. There was. There wasn't been like six weeks of going. That's what happened to KD, right? Yeah. It's just, and that's why he was so. uh, And kudos to him. That's why he was so adamant and clear. He was like, "This is not the Warriors' fault. This is not the training staff's fault. This is just a freak injury." Of like, and I think a lot of that—that's where it comes from—is that because uh, the the rest of the human body hasn't caught up with the technology of what we can do to like guys are sleeping in hyperbolic chambers and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's all sorts of stuff that I've seen. It's just wild now. Yeah, but this is a, this is an improv podcast, right? <laughs> 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 we got way up. We did, we but yeah. So how can somebody <clears throat> develop when they've been doing improv? 10, 15, 20 years and things change like that? How can they learn some of the new school? Um, I would say the first and foremost is uh, don't you know, check your ego at the door, which you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, be humble and grateful that you've been able to have the opportunity up to this point. Uh, anytime, anytime that anyone tells me that they liked my workshop, I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it because it's, Again, I think for us as coaches and teachers, we know that, you know, like you're saying, sometimes that person, this may be, I may be the face of their first ever improv experience. It is an honor and a duty and a responsibility for me to make sure that that is the most positive experience it can be because I need to give back to the art form that has given so much to me. It's given me my best friends. It's given me the woman I love and who I live with. Mm-hmm. It's given me so many opportunities to travel and meet new people and experience things. Uh, so keeping that sort of mindset of a teacher and coach and then taking that out of the classroom and having that also be in the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that out of the classroom and having it also be online and social media. Uh, being open to evolving uh, changes and just what uh, what is not only just acceptable culturally, and by acceptable, I mean this is where we are now. We're being, we're trying to become a mm-hmm. a more inclusive, mm-hmm. kinder, uh, more open, expressive, and not go. I, I'm very, very much not uh, in the, the, the. I am. I'm anti the category of like, oh, these kids these days, they don't know. Yeah. How they're like, oh, you can't joke about anything anymore. I'm like, no. Anytime I see a guy that like, oh, everything's so PC, you can't joke about anything anymore. I'm like, all you're telling me is that you are not good enough of a craftsman when it comes to the craft of comedy that you can evolve and update your material. So you're talking right, that this yeah. is what you get, this is the ceiling that you hit? That's also, a very, yeah. I mean, it is yeah. a very common statement now, and it is sort of like, yeah. it's a knee-jerk reaction. But I was just hearing, I just saw him like Michael Che kind of respond to that on his Instagram where he was saying, no, you actually can say whatever you want. It's just, it may mm-hmm. bomb. <laughs> you know, yeah. like say whatever you want. Yeah, you and if it bombs, yeah, you have the right to comedy. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You don't, have, like, you don't, you don't have a right. You don't have a right to laughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that also, I would say, uh, before we get too deep into that rabbit hole, uh, mm-hmm. I would do a whole other podcast about Mr. Che. <laughs> uh, but uh, also working with young people, traveling, getting out of your bubble, putting yourself mm-hmm. out of your specifics, and all, um, and then also just constantly reevaluating. What is that you believe in? What is your philosophy of the comedy? I have a specific exercise. I call it the Conan exercise or the Conan interview. Mm-hmm. If you're driving, if you're stuck in traffic, don't get angry and upset. Like, oh, I hate traffic. I'm like, take the opportunity to just pretend that you are on the Conan O'Brien show. Your driver's seat is the first guest seat. In the passenger seat is Andy Richter. In the, re- in the side rear view mirror on the driver's seat, that's Conan. And then you just... Take that 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, as if you are a guest on the Conan O'Brien show. Mm-hmm. And he asked you, like, a lot of people might not know this about you, Jason, but uh, you, do a, you do a lot of improv and stuff. You know, give me, what, how did you get into that? What, 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 what drew you to? What's, what's, what's your philosophy? I think the people at home and TBS want to know about that. <laughs> and just get used to the idea of constantly saying it out loud and be able to explain yourself. And if stuff kind of keeps coming up, you can constantly be kind of evolving that. And honestly, young people. Yeah. Young people, uh, be around young people who are passionate, excited, uh, definitely for me, cause that's, this is who I was then. And still now, uh, that, that idea of like, I want to be around that young improv team filled of 20 somethings who are just passionate. It's it, their improv team is live or die. 
Mm-hmm. They they can't stop talking about it. They can't stop uh, talking about how cool their teammates are. Like, oh, I'll say this other thing. The other night, so we're doing a show. We're in the black box, and Stephanie. Stephanie is amazing. Like the when they're talking about their teammates and the art and that kind of stuff, and like not being able to make on like. No one should ever beat themselves up for auditioning for a Herald team and not making it. It's the process is the product. I, I, mm-hmm. I auditioned for a uh, Herald team in Iowa six times before I got on. I didn't suck the first five times. It just <laughs> didn't work out. It wasn't right. the right fit or whatever. But I, I do want someone who's at least devastated for a day. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when they make that team, conversely, I want to know, like, whoever this young person is, like, did you call your parents? Oh, God, the first thing I did. And, like, yeah. and, like, you know, proud about it and posting about it on Instagram, like, you know, Instagram stories, like, ah, I did it with like all the graphics and stuff. I, yeah. I want to continually be around that, that type of passion because it, it, it gets me hyped. Like Paul Valancourt's like, he's like BOC. Like he was like, you're super passionate for improv and it like gets me hyped up and he's been doing it for like 30 years. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I do it. I sting around people who are also equally passionate and hyped up about it. And if you're, and if you're 25 years old, or 50 years old and you're doing improv and you're just kind of like, I mean, it was a show. It's fine. I mean, it's just improv, right? Like, I don't want, uh, like, I'll still yeah. be your friend, but like, I don't want that energy around because that's not how I feel about the art form. No, at it, all. It, it does get to be, you start seeing that like uh, a team, uh, someone who's been doing something for a while that other people mm-hmm. would kill for and they've, and they would kill for it at one point and then they have done it for a little bit and they they get kind of complacent with it. It's just kind of like, yeah. well, that's where's the excitement? I'm doing this because it inspired me. So I always <clears throat> yeah. that's that's kind of a big part of my goal as an actor and comedian. It isn't to be the next Tina Fey or Amy Poehler mm-hmm. or, or somebody super famous uh, and uh, unachievably famous for most people. Mm-hmm. It's more yeah. that I want to work on things that. Were, that are like the things that inspired me to begin with. So my being 100%. like Tina Fey is to work on something like 30 Rock. My being like yeah. Amy Poehler is to work on something like Parks and Rec. doesn't have to have that excess, uh, that same sort of success. It's got to inspire me the way those shows did. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to spend my time on. And I love that you you probably like, I don't want to be the next hit, next that. Uh, cause I encourage all my students, they're like, I was like, what do you want to do? Is I want to be this? And I'm like, or I want to, I'm, I, you know, I want to be the next Mark Maron. And then I'm like, all right, that's good as, as a, as a framing device. But what I'd really encourage you to be is try to be the first Jason Farr. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they have, to, that's an old sort of, not wife sale, but like it's the thing that they say in Los Angeles. It's like, you have a couple of different stages of your career. First, you're nobody. <laughs> Second, you're the next somebody, next fill in the blank, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, oh, first you're nobody, then you're a uh, fill in the blank type. Uh, so like, here, I'll just pick a random name. Like, so Seth Rogen. First, you're nobody. Next, you're a Seth Rogen type. Third, you're the uh, you're the next Seth Rogen. Fourth, you're you. Fifth, somebody get me the next. Uh, you're like, I'm looking for the next Brian James O'Connell. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, you, like, right. You always you always come around, and it never ends. Uh, yeah. It's funny to me when I uh, when people are like. Especially in improv, because there's so many. It's it's been sort of it's been around for so long now that everyone thinks like, oh, there's this one path. I'm going to do UCB. I'm going to take classes through UCB. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to get on a Herald team or a mod team, and then that'll be that'll be the ticket. That'll be the entry. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I'm going to be this and this. But I'm like, it never really ends. I uh, I'm a big professional wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. I listen to a couple of podcasts. Uh, Dave Arquette, David Arquette is getting back into wrestling, and mm. two kudos to him. Uh, he's really doing it the right way. He's starting the bomb. He's doing indies and stuff. It's just something that uh, that's very inspiring. And he did a podcast with Chris Jericho. And he was like, look, I'm not, they were just in the course of conversation. He was telling the story. And he was like, all right, I'll just stop. He's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to name drop here. But I am friends with Brad Pitt. We've been friends for a long time. Because mm-hmm. I remember sitting on, his, uh, I was sitting on a boat with him, which you know, means he's on a yacht. Right. <laughs> right. And Brad, Brad Pitt is on the cell phone walking back and forth, talking to his agent. And he's like, this is at the height of Brad Pitt's career. Like mm-hmm. he's like, this is a couple of years ago. He's like, I think this might've been like 2011. And Brad Pitt is walking back and forth on his boat, arguing with his agent, just being like, well, well tell, tell him, he's like, no, I really want to do this. Tell them, I, can I just at least, can I put myself on tape? 
because uh, I'm here. I'm here for another week. Can I put myself on tape? I'm back next week. I'm back ten days from now. Can I go in? Can I audition for them? Let me let me put them in the room with me and let me just read for the role. And they wouldn't do it. And he said, David Arquette was just sitting there thinking, like, God damn it, it never ends. He's like Brad Pitt. It's one of the great, like, he's one of the biggest stars in the world. He's the high of his career, and he's begging for an audition, and they're saying no. Yeah. It never, ever ends. So I kind of encourage the students to that as well. It's like, oh, cool, you made a house team. I'm so happy for you. Just remember that this isn't the end of the journey. This right. is just the beginning of the next stage of your journey. Right. And like, keep, try, try and keep that in perspective. Keep working hard, doing all that kind of stuff. But I, I've seen that a lot too, especially at IO, where it's like people would make people would make a main stage Herald team, and then they would just coast. They yeah. would like, and not not in a bad way, not in that they're bad people and all that. Right. But it, it just was like this stuff. <sighs> I've made it, and then that, then then they just sort of, they sort of succumb to that mm-hmm. feeling, which I'm like that can't, and that's not me. Like I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't want to do that, that either. I honestly, I want to be more like a Brad Pitt in that scenario, which I'm sure some people would hear that story and say, "Oh no, God, that's terrible to 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 like." get that big and you still have to but that's a good thing that he cared that much about a project mm-hmm. that he was willing to audition for it yeah that's, that's why awesome. he is who he is because yeah his hustle never stops bill, uh, i was talking to bill arnett this weekend uh I, I was lucky enough to get to meet him for the first time because he came and saw the camp uh all the legends are true his reputation precedes him and i was not only pleasantly uh confirmed but all that and more he uh, he and Rachel Rosenstein, Ray Rowe, I uh, met for the first time. And they, were all, they could not be more delightful. Oh, awesome. He said that, too. He was just like, yeah, he was like, like he's like, the reason why, because we were talking that same story, he's like, the reason why is like, you know, this Brad Pitt cares. His hustle yeah. never stops. That's why he is who he is, and that's why he doesn't just do those, you know, crappy action movies where he, like, says, a, like, stick around after he stabbed a guy <laughs> through a tree. He's like, no, he's like, he, he, he could very easily just rest on his laurels and say, Brad Pitt, and for the next 10 years, do get $20 million a movie and do two movies a year. Be super rich. But like, that's not, that's not what, that's not what drove him clearly. Right. I think right. this new movie, yeah, this new movie they have coming out. That might be his, they're already talking about, you know, it, it may be, it may be an Oscar worthy performance. He might be nominated for, for best actor in the Academy. And I sat there like scratching my brain going, has he, has he ever been nominated? I don't think he has. I don't think so. Right. It's, yeah, there's still that... Maybe 12 still, Monkeys? Maybe? Yeah. Maybe, like, that's supporting. I don't Exactly. Exactly. And we're talking about Brad Pitt. Right. So when it comes to guys like you and me, like, yeah, let's just keep just keep our hustle and grind on and try and be part of something that is, you know, unique and powerful and that will last, that will have the lasting of, mm-hmm. like, a 30 Rock or a Parks and Rec. Yeah, you know, or, you know, even if, you know, it's not something that is considered a big success as far as mm-hmm. someone's pockets were concerned. If sure. it's just good, like, mm-hmm. like why would, well, don't you just want to be in something good? I don't know why some people are just like more focused on the, uh, the big yacht, you know? Yeah. It's, it's good. If, if it's good, people will find it. Mm-hmm. If it's good. People will find it. They will celebrate it. And that'll be your legacy. I've, I've always said that like, when people ask me, like, what do you want? I was like, I want to direct five movies. If I direct five feature films, that's enough for my school to do a retrospective on my work mm-hmm. after I'm dead. That's it. <laughs> you know, here's, yeah, let's take a weekend. Uh, we're going to just screen five movies by Brian James O'Connell, who was alum, who's, a, who's an alumni here. And that's, we're going to, we'll discuss the effort. But I was like, if I can make five, if I can make five, then that's like, then I'll be, I'll feel like I've at least achieved that. That's sort of like an end goal. Do you still have one on Hulu? Oh, uh, it's it's on Amazon now. Oh, Amazon. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, yeah, Blood Sucking mm-hmm. Masters. It was yeah. on because it did theaters, and then it was on a, a Showtime loop for a long time. So it has to be exclusive to Showtime for like two years, and then just this last year, it's on Amazon. So you can and and iTunes and all that. If you have Amazon Prime, you can you can watch it for free. Awesome. Um. Yeah. So we're mentioning that you've been traveling a lot to do camps oh, yeah. and uh, there's Improv Utopia, which I want to talk about. But I guess that also means that we should maybe go back a little bit and talk about how you got this freedom to do this. Because you're, you're mentioning the pack. So, uh, yes, 
you were there as an AD, but you're not the uh, the de facto AD anymore. Yeah, um, the, the PAX Theater started off, uh, it was started by Miles Straw, uh, my mentor, uh, Dale Close was war chief. He, he did a lot of stuff at I.O. for a long time and sort of went off and did his own thing. Uh, and so we became the PAX Theater when we took over the, the space they were renting out 24-7. Mm-hmm. At first, we were just one night of shows. Uh, yeah, the first night of shows, I think, was like 2012, 2011, maybe 2010. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I, I just remember Miles calling me up one day and be like, we have a lot of we have a lot of students now. We have a lot of people who graduated. There's some good teams. We need to start doing shows. It's going to be on Tuesday night, and you're running it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> if there had been anyone else on the planet, I'd be like, nope, I've got this other thing I'm doing on Tuesday night. I was directing a sketch team, Super Cut Dude, that I really liked a lot. Uh, we met on Tuesday nights, but I was like, hey, guys, if there had been anyone else but Miles, we would not be having this conversation. <laughs> then we went to two, one night, and then to two nights, and then three nights, and then to four nights. Uh, and eventually, like, it's just there. So, and then Miles, to his credit, um, he was like, we need to change the name. We're like, no, we try to talk him out. He's like, no, it's, it, people refer to it as MSW. It's cool. It's got some cachet. He's like, nope, too many people are working too hard for free and putting effort on it. He's like, it'd be vainglorious. Uh, he was like, it'd be erroneous to just name it after me. And so we went through, like, 250 names. We came up with a pack. That was May, middle of May 2016. We took over uh, the space 24-7. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> myself, along with the other founders, uh, Heather Ann Campbell, Eric Moneypenny, Sam Brown, uh, we uh, sort of divvied up a lot of things. And then just sort of the scheduling just fell to me. I had the one job that I could, I had my days time free. I also like doing that stuff. I like being able to put together a schedule and sort of move things around and, and you know, you're curating sort of our vibe is. Uh, so I did that for May of 2016. I stepped down in March uh, this year. So it's like about two and a half years, but really going all the way back to those first MSW Tuesday night shows on Hard Tuesdays, I've been doing it for like closer to seven or eight. And I just got to the point where I was like, um, you know, because we're an all-volunteer staff. I I get paid if I teach a class. All the other stuff I did for the pack and still do for the pack is for free because we believe in it. We're passionate about it. We want we want to give a place to our students to, to succeed and try things and get up on stage and evolve and all that mm-hmm. so i was just i was just it was 60 70 80 hour weeks on top of me teaching classes and on top of my own career you know making making things uh movies and tv shows and, and whatnot and so it just got to the point where i was it was very clear i was getting burnt out mm-hmm. and i didn't want to i didn't want to fall off the cliff of like now i'm bitter now i'm starting to resent people now i'm getting angry now i'm like tearing my hair out uh <clears throat> so the combination of that uh combination of that we had uh, Alyssa Phillips who was our first uh, who's our new artistic director but really technically our first artistic director because I never wanted the term AD <laughs> I've, I've seen what happened I see what happens to people when that name that that those two words get put in front of your name mm-hmm. and there was an expectation and also uh, to be perfectly honest uh, there's a trap door where people start uh, believing their own hype mm-hmm. because I'm the artistic director of theater I was like that's not gonna be me don't mm-hmm. give me that title don't want it uh, so it's says de facto on like my LinkedIn and stuff because that's just easier for people who are looking to hire me to go, oh, he did this job. Oh, that's great. Because uh, there's no way to put everything I just said there into a bio. <laughs> uh, and then also, it also to be perfectly honest, uh, it was a combination of those two things. That There was someone waiting in the wings. She was our unofficial uh, office manager. It's like, she's ready. She can take over this gig. Uh, me kind of being burnt out. And also, uh, if I'm perfectly honest, uh, I had some ideas and uh, a vision for uh, the theater, specifically on the improv side, uh, that the community did not want. And we're pretty vocal about it. And I got a lot of, lot of pushback. And I was like, well, then, it's, then, I'm, then I'm not the right voice. Mm-hmm. Then if, if, if you're not buying what I'm selling, then someone else should be the salesman. Someone mm-hmm. else should come up with the product. And mm-hmm. that's not me. Uh, and so as, as tough as it was, um, it was the right choice. And then I've been spending, <clears throat> so that was like March 2nd. I stepped down. Alyssa took over March 30th. Uh, March 31st was our, our new house improv team audition sort of showcase. We do it a little bit differently than other people do. Uh, because I just, we just never felt like, I mean, auditions suck for both people on the side of the table. Yeah. You get together with, you get together with eight people, you talk to them for 10 minutes and you walk into a room do maybe a half a herald, maybe like 15 minutes of improv in front of uh, a group of teachers and coaches 
and uh, you know veterans of the theater who have been watching it all day, like eight hour, ten hour marathons. Like they're just there have there's got to be a better way. <laughs> so we, we we gave them plenty of heads up. Like we assembled the teams <clears throat> who are going to be auditioning. We made it a show. We made sure that the entire community came out. So they were playing in front of a packed house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teachers and coaches who were taking notes were bit, like, we were like 1% of the audience. And we gave them two months head notice. We're like, here are the approved coaches that we have, uh, that are the approved coaches of the improv teams that all the teachers and miles have agreed on. Reach out to them, work with each other, rehearse, hang out, come up with a form, come up with some approach, get, have have six to eight weeks of creating some chemistry with these people so you can go out there and put your best foot forward versus, mm-hmm. oh, I met this guy five minutes ahead of time. We went out and did our scene, and he was so nervous that he panicked and, like, denied my initiation, and the scene fell to shit, and neither one of us got onto a team. Yeah, you know and that I mean? was like, the I, only scene that you got <clears throat> to do, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, so then that was the 31st. We made teams. We made the decisions that night. The next day was a Sunday, April 1st, hilarious, mm-hmm. um, put out the announcement. Me and Miles hosted a uh, happy hour with all the new teams, like all the new teams, like some, a lot of them knew each other, but some were some new people and mm-hmm. just a way to get them in one room in a bar around the corner from the pack, did that for a little bit. So then they, and then we sent all of them over because Sunday night is sketch night. So we sent all the brand new house improv teams over to the theater to watch the house sketch teams at eight o'clock. Cause it's like, Hey, we're all in this together. There is no improv or sketch divide. Mm-hmm. And then that Monday, April 2nd, which was that, that was like the last of my official duties. And since mm-hmm. then I've been sort of taking <clears throat> some time off. Like I, I had so many writing projects that like had fallen to the wayside. So I wrote a, I wrote a feature in 11 days. I wrote a pilot in three. I was just all this stuff. Wow. like, just sort of vomiting out of me because uh, <laughs> it's been building up for so long and I've been doing so much research and making notes and stuff, but never having the time to like sit down on my laptop and do something other than answer pack theater emails mm-hmm. and put out fires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so now I'm just kind of taking advantage of, of, of that sort of schedule and reaching out to other folks. I'm like, Oh, I have to have a little bit of income. I'm good enough that I've, I've I floated. I can, I can float for a while. So, I've been to San Diego, Oakland, um, God, Phoenix. I think I went to take, uh, so I just, yeah, I did Camp Improv Utopia West in May. I did mm-hmm. East this weekend on Labor Day weekend. Uh, I'm producing a short film for my friend Mary this upcoming Saturday. The following Saturday is me and my girlfriend, uh, me and Liz's four-year anniversary. Oh, congrats. The following week, oh, thank you very much. The following week, I'm going to Cedar City, Utah for the 10th Annual Red Rocks Festival. The week after that, I'm going to Yosemite for improv camp, uh, camp improv Utopia Yosemite. The week after that, I'm going to Chicago for the Dramatic Improv Festival where I'm doing a show. All my family is from Chicago, so I'll have a lot of family. It's a free excuse to go see family. Uh, I come back. I'm here for a couple of days while Liz's brother and sister-in-law are visiting us. Then I go to Denver to do that voodoo gig for five weeks. Uh, we're taking It's a four-week course, but we're taking one week off for the Denver Improv Festival and uh, Jessica Augustine, who runs that, has been, already been great to me and said, oh, you're here and I don't have to fly you out? I don't have to put you up? Yes, you're going to be teaching a workshop. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I come back to Los Angeles for about a week. I'm there from October 10th to November 11th, 10-10 to 11-11. I come back, and then the following week, like the 19th or so, yeah, I think like the 19th, uh, Liz and I go to Africa for 21 days. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then I come back, and then I'll have the Christmas break, because LA kind of shuts down during the holiday season anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I have the Christmas break to figure out like, okay, in 2020, uh, time to get a job. <laughs> time, to, uh, <laughs> time, to, time to like double down and focus on the career again. But of course, uh, as it happens, like, you know, I taught at Camp Improv Utopia East and you meet all these great friends and all that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are uh, themselves artist directors of their theaters and their local communities, or they are teachers there, or they are the owners of those theaters. And so, yeah, out of the weekend, I have sort of standing offers now, and I'm going to talk to them over the last, next couple of days or so. But it already looks like in 2020, I'm going to go to Rhode Island, uh, Utica, New York, uh, Baltimore. Uh, I'm already started working out. Like, this has been in the works for like a year or so. But uh, for Camp Improv Utopia Ireland next year, I think I'm going to go out a month early and do a U.K. tour 
and teach in like London and, 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 and Dublin and, and a couple other places, sort of work my way into that. So immediately, as I say, like, yeah, I'm gonna, over the mm-hmm. Christmas break, I'm going to think about getting a job. But here's the five other places I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. Here's a bunch of work I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just, I can't stop. I love improv so much, Jason. I have yeah. to, and that's the thing of like, I, since I have the opportunity, a lot of people were like, I'm so glad for camp because we get this training. I would love to bring you, to, I would love for my students to hear the kind of stuff that I'm learning from you and these other people. And I'm like, I have the luxury, like I don't, Bill Arnett has children, like on that. Um, mm-hmm. I, thankfully, you know, I, I have the opportunity. Like I'll, I'll come to you. Fly me out. Put me up somewhere that isn't someone's back, you know, like that isn't someone's couch because I'm 43 and I'll kill my back. Mm. And then just, you know, let's let's work with each other. What your, you know, what your market can bear. I'm not going to try and charge you guys an arm and leg. I'll work with you. We'll do friend prices. You know, I'll come up for a weekend and and bring this bring this good shit to uh, to your people. I don't care if I, if you can't if you can't move the entire theater on mass to Los Angeles and take the classes at the Pack Theater, then I'll come it to you. I'll come to you. Fuck it. That's awesome. I, and I, yeah. I don't know that I have heard of that. Like I've, I know that people will go to different festivals and get to coach and teach classes, but that's a really cool idea, you know, to, to go to a city, immerse yourself in it and, and teach classes for people that, and, and, there are very few people who I think uh, can really do that. <laughs> um, I think there are a lot yeah, of uh, like, I've been, characteristics yeah. somebody needs to do that. And yeah, you have also just be like again, just being blessed with the, you know, just the opportunity. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I live I live with Liz, so my rent is not as much as other people. I don't have a nine to five. I've been blessed and lucky enough over the last decade to make a majority of my money from teaching classes, but also bartending. And then I stopped bartending a couple of years ago and it was just classes. Like I don't, I'm not locked into, I don't work a nine to five, uh, at some company where I'm just working in accounts receivable. And this is how I pay my rent so I can go off and do my sketch classes and audition for TV sh- for commercials and stuff. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at least lucky enough that I'm built that way. So I might as well a take advantage of it and, and be, you know, try and do some good in the world outside of Los Angeles County. What has that experience been like in terms of, I mean, you're going all over the place, so they're, yes. they're, people are different in all of those places. So sure. how how does that change how you teach or what you teach? Or does it change that? Um, I, I think it does. I mean, it always changes because you, uh, I'm a big believer and so is Miles. And so, so are all of we at the Pack Theater. Like, we keep our class sizes small. And we don't have a set curriculum where we're trying to, you know, take you and cut you into a square to fit the square box. That is the thing that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make you the best possible version of you, whatever you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot about that you know, you teach to the student in front of you. Uh, the other side of that too is that uh, what I love about position play and the deconstruction so much is that it's. Hey, this is not me telling you this is the right way to do it. I'm saying this is the thing that you wanted to do, and I recognize that. And here's the appropriate tool to make it helpful for you. Like so, uh, like for position play, I always usually describe it as I'm not trying to tell you how to do. I'm not trying to tell you how to play how I play. I'm saying I'm going to give you a wrench, a screwdriver, a hammer, and a level, and then you and teach you how to use those tools, and then you go and build the house that you want to build. Most of my notes are not even a notes. They're just adjustment. I come in and go, hey, stop the scene for a second. I couldn't help but notice that you were trying to hammer nails. Is that what you're doing? You're like, yeah, I was trying to hammer a nail here. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't help but notice that you were using the back end of a screwdriver to hammer in that nail. <laughs> that, while will work, isn't as efficient as it is helpful. Here, try to pick up this hammer. Oh, right. Oh, it, it is much easier to hammer this nail now that I'm using this hammer. Great, good. Restart the scene. Try it again now using that tool. And yeah. that's a very, with position play being that way, it really travels well because it's not comedy math, it's comedy truth. Right. And here's all these different examples of it. You just see it work. And I'm a big believer in the practicality of improv. It is great to take improv classes, and there's a ton of great ones out there, uh, classes and workshops and, and coaching 
where it's like it's an ethereal thing or it's a theoretical. Like, what, and how does this make us feel? Mm. What, what about that scene? And uh, try something with emotion. Or uh, wasn't that great? Like, yeah, it's good. And then it's the kind of thing like eight months from now, you go, oh, mm. okay, I, I get what that teacher Deborah was trying to say. Okay, cool. Let me go back to my improv notebook and, and, and write that down. <laughs> my thing is, that is not me. I, my thing is efficiency, uh, mm. practicality. I want to teach you something in this workshop that you can do tonight on stage and be successful with it. And people really, really respond to that because as you know, just like me, when we, you were probably like me. And then when we took our first improv classes, all I wanted was like, just tell me how to do it. Right. <laughs> I want to do it right and be, and be good and have a funny scene. And when you get a lot of that, like, well, that's the thing. There is no like right or wrong. It's just who you are. This could be a stronger choice. Like I never say any of that shit. I, yeah. I don't say any like, Oh, this, was this a stronger choice or a better choice? Or like, I'm like, no. Nope, yeah, I'm not crazy nope. about. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I'm not crazy about the, um, the stronger choice. I mean, the, I guess the closest I ever got to that was just saying like, here's kind of where the joke was, and that seemed mixed. Yeah. But that's different. That's kind, to that's me. kind of what you're. That's, that's the kind of joke you're going for, right? Yeah. Well, it's right. Yeah, because stronger choice. There's nothing wrong with that terminology for a teacher or a coach to use. The problem is, is that it's outside of the teacher or the coach's control for how the student interprets that. Mm -hmm. And I think more often than not, a student will hear the note and on the surface level of it will say, yes, I understand that you're just trying to help me. And that what, when you say a stronger choice would have been this, right. But really what they're thinking subconsciously or even emotionally where they don't quite have the, like the intellectual words for it to describe other feelings, what they're hearing is I did it wrong. And now you're just being too nice and don't want to hurt my feelings. So you're just trying yeah. to find a more comfortable way of saying that I did it wrong. Or sit down. Yeah. I did it wrong. Or it is, uh, sometimes it's your brand of comedy. Isn't funny. My brand of comedy is funny. Oh that's, yeah. That's There's sometimes that, what you so. get from the, the teacher as well. When it's just like, ah, oh, this is a stronger choice. Mm hmm. I was like, well, they're different yeah. types so, of people. <laughs> yeah, they're different types of people. So that that so when I travel, uh, people respond to that. Um, because a, I'm already coming from the idea of I'm going to teach to you, to the people in front of me in my room. I'm not here to dictate or be didactic about this is this is my form, my philosophy. If you don't do it this way, then it's wrong. I'm like, nope. This is just the stuff that's helped me. Also, the actual things that I'm teaching have just been proven to work over hundreds if not thousands of years in comedy, Miles didn't invent any of the four scenes. He just invented the language that, so that we can have a common vocabulary to discuss what he calls the scene dynamics. And then the third thing that seems to hit work is I'm very, very open to uh, interpretation. I'll, my thing is like, hey, I will always, always ask questions. I will always have an answer for you, even if the answer is I don't know, and then we'll figure it out together. Mm -hmm. And then once you sort of opened up to like, Hey, I'm telling you as the teacher, the expert that these, that, you know, the owner of this theater flew in and paid and put up Jesus class. I'm telling you, it's okay for me to be wrong because well, not wrong, but like for me to not have an answer, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. What seems to work great. Now I learned something too, that it's, it's then they're much more open to the idea of like, Oh, this is a, this is an exploration. This is a discovery of these things and how these things work for the way that I want to play. And then I always have the, the standing offer, which I've I've done since the very first day I ever taught my first class, where I was like, I'm not your teacher right now. I'm your teacher for life. Hunt me down. Find me. Ask me questions. I, I love to talk shop. I'm passionate about improv. There are a lot of teachers, and rightfully so, because they're not maniacs like I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but they're rightfully so. There's a lot of teachers who are like, hey, man, I just gave you three hours or six hours of a workshop. I'm sitting in this bar having a beer. Let me, let me decompress for an hour or two before we talk. Like, Talk to me about anything but improv. That is not me, because I'm a psychopath. I'm like, yes, please, please ask me. Literally <laughs> ten minutes before, ten minutes before you called, uh, a guy that I taught in San Diego uh, a couple weeks ago was like, "Hello, my name is Marty. I took your class a couple weeks." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I remember you." He's like, "I had a question about it's straight absurd. Is there a way I can change it?" I was like, "Yeah, buddy." And they're like, and I answered his question, and he was like, "Oh, thank you so much. That's very helpful. You have a great day." I'm like, "You got it, buddy." Sometimes it's as quick as that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll send, you know, someone will reach out to me and I have to like, like on Facebook messenger and I have to click on and be like, okay, how do I know this guy? Oh, six years ago, Detroit improv festival. Yeah, buddy. What do you want to know? He's like, well, I had a question about the run and the deconstruction. And then that, that went on for like 45 minutes. 
Like I'm, I'm very giving and open with my time and then students, uh, students, no matter where they live, whether they live in Pittsburgh or in Mexico city. Oh, I was in Mexico city in April teaching as well. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't matter if it's Pittsburgh or Mexico city students respond to that. Cause they're like, Oh, you, you're here. You're saying that you're here to help me learn this stuff that has been helpful to you. And you're putting your money where your mouth is and you're going to continue to help me afterwards if I have a question about it. And I know that if I ask you a question, you're not going to push back on me and be like, how dare you? I've been doing this for 17 years. I'm Brian. Like none of that. Right. Yeah. So that, that's why that's why it works. That's why it works. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a benefactor of that as well and can speak to that. And also another thing that I appreciate is the the honesty and it takes confidence for someone to as a coach or teacher to to just be honest but you and uh lewis cornfeld and peter mcnerney i've asked questions of um and got straight answers you know i mean even uh peter and lewis there were times where i asked them questions and they said you know i don't know i have a satisfying answer to that or you know i don't really know and i appreciated that because they didn't waste my time saying something they thought I wanted to hear. They just said, you know, yeah. let's figure this out uh, as time goes on. You know, we'll see. Yeah, and also, yeah, and also, like, even if you think that you're doing that to, like, spare the student, really, like, we're all improvisers. We, all we do is study human behavior and read mm-hmm. body language and, and, and sniff out. The student can sniff out the bullshit. And yeah. even though your intention is to not hurt their feelings, what part of, part of the walk, part of the takeaway would still be like, Oh, he's not really going to tell me the truth. And then they, and and I'm definitely super guilty of this. That's why I'm very empathetic to it. It's like, I'm the worst of like going and beating myself up and like, Oh man, I let that person down or like the Irish Catholic guilt. (laughs) And so I'm very empathetic to like, I don't want a student walking away. Uh, Like, so for a good example, this weekend, uh, I taught these workshops and like up top, I was like, look, we're here for two hours and 45 minutes. I usually teach this over the course of eight weeks and not to mention the entire thing of like the year long training center that is the pack theater. This is a broad overview. So if you're not, if you're not experts by the end of this two hours and 45 minutes, nor should you be like, you're like cut, cut yourself some slack. But in the, in the course of it, I was like, you know, like I do usually do this over eight weeks. There's a, in between weeks, I'll send a big long email to everyone with like what we covered that week. Here's, you know, links to examples of that. I was like, right. When you put that all together, I was like, right now I've got a 42 page PDF with over 200 links to video examples, uh, uh, spreadsheets, uh, books that you can get for free from the library that would help you understand this one bit. Uh, and a couple of them afterwards were like, Hey, would you send that? 42 page. Like, could we get our hands on that? I was like, look, to be perfectly honest, this is not me holding it back. Like some sort of weird proprietary thing. Mm-hmm. I've shared that with tons of people. Don't care. Every time I send it to a student, that means that student could ostensibly go and start their own improv school mm-hmm. and just steal from me. hundred <laughs> percent. I do not care about that. Uh, cause I'm me and they're, they're them and it would end up being different anyway. I was like, but for this, since it was just such a quick thing, my fear is if I, if I sent you that, because there's so much stuff that is uh, adjacent uh, uh, to what we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, that it would only end up becoming more confusing to you. And instead of you being excited about this thing and feeling like you learned a whole lot, then you'd start going in. Like, I think it would be more detrimental than anything else. And that's the only reason why I would, I would respectfully decline sharing any of that with you. And all, every single one of them were like, that makes sense. That makes, thank you so much for that. Like, yes, you are very passionate. You are, you want, you want to know more about position play, which I am very flattered by. I'm not going to put you into a position where you have this good feeling and now you, and you're going to, now you're going to feel like a failure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I give you, if I give you more information, it would cut off at the knees, the information you think you understand right now, because there's so much stuff that we didn't cover that you just can't read in a PDF and read a paragraph that you'd be like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) <laughs> oh, maybe I don't understand this at all. Maybe I wasn't doing it right at all. I'm like, and then, and then I'm not there to follow up with you because this is only yeah. once a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. still have my notes from the position play class that I took, yeah. which I loved. Um, and uh, I think it's a, a really great approach and um, loved it. Really loved that class. Yeah. I still have those notes yeah, I and I, I need to go back to them sometime and go over them. <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> so you. I may email was, and yeah. have some questions. <laughs> Please do. I, I, I pass my preach. 
And then well, like just one other quick thing. One person mm-hmm. was like, what do you do if the person you're playing with doesn't know position play? Can you do this stuff? I was like, oh, that's the great thing about position play. You are the only one that has to know it. You just have to understand it. Right. So when you're on the show, the scene with somebody, and no matter what they do, you're able to work with them. You can understand and recognize what kind of scene you're in and execute it, even if they don't, because this stuff is just ingrained into comedy. Straight absurd is just the rule of comedy threes. You hit the game, you hit the game to back off the game. Mm-hmm. You know, UCB created an entire empire out of that. Whether they know it or not, you know it. I think, like, what if they do something different? I was like, well, then you just flip position. <laughs> You're just like, I thought we were in a straight absurd, but then that guy agreed with me, so I guess we're in a character I've been seeing now. Now we're right. two peas in a pod. <laughs> if he changes again, you can change again. I was like, this isn't, I was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't a pop quiz. This isn't a test that you get in high school. Right. This is, you, this is, this is pick up basketball. We all kind of know how basketball works. This guy likes to set, you know, hard screens, and you are more of like sort of a, you know, pick and pop guy on that. You'll figure it out. Over the course of a you know, couple of hours in the gym, you'll figure it out, and then everyone will have a good time playing basketball. It's the guy that like calls foul and everything, or shit. That's the one where everyone goes, "I don't want to play with that guy anymore." Yeah, <laughs> just don't don't be that guy. You don't even want to watch <clears throat> those people play basketball. No. It's so annoying. <laughs> Like always stopping the scene. Um, well, we've reached the end of of the episode, and it's time to create oh, no. something. Um, I do oh, want to create no. I something. Like I, yeah, I do want to create something, but I feel like all I did was talk. I'm sorry. Well, no. Listen, uh, a why you're a great guest, and b it gave me plenty of ideas of what we could do uh, in creating something together. And one thing that I yeah. am interested in is mm-hmm. how you have the energy and how you use your energy wisely to do all the things that you're doing. So maybe uh, the quote-unquote create something could be uh, a, like advice <laughs> on how to use energy wisely. Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, what has been helpful for me, uh, especially now that I'm getting older, you know, I'm in my 40s and all that, mm-hmm. um, improv, like, revs me up. It doesn't matter how tired I am. If I walk into a workshop within 10 minutes, like I'm up on my feet, you know, you, you see me, it's performative. Like I'm yeah. all over the place. I just want to get that passion on that. Um, for me, what's helped is uh, a couple of things, you know, you know, diet and exercise and, and being better about getting an, an, a good amount of sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, I, I'm, I wake up every day at 7 a.m., whether I want to or not, because Liz has, you know, a daytime job. But it's been helpful because I get so much done. Um, and then I'm usually in bed around 10, 1030. That's still a full day. That's still a 15, 16-hour day. Yeah. But it allows me to get, you know, like seven to eight hours of sleep, which you need. Mm-hmm. Just take care of your body. Uh, but also, too, like, I'm, I'm efficiency. Write things down. Keep a calendar. Google Calendar is free. My Google Calendar yeah. is ridiculous it uh it it looks like the 19th level of tetris i've shown it i literally pulled it up on my phone and showed it to people and everything's color-coded and all that so it's all these different blocks i showed it to my friend mary the other day and she just took a step back and went holy shit I was like, yeah, that's... <laughs> so that being able to like just being diligent about that about being efficient with your time like knowing where everything is mm-hmm. uh before i say yes anything you know i'm in a partnership so i check with liz i'm like hey do we have anything going on next wednesday I don't, I don't have, you know, the second Wednesday of every month, uh, I, I, I coach an indie team every Wednesday, uh, from seven to nine, except for the second Wednesday of the month, because we can't get the space then. So I have that night off. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, do we have anything that night? She's like, no, cool. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do uh, a table read for this feature that I'm going to direct with my buddy, uh, Hunter Altman. We're going to put the table read on that night. She goes, cool. I'm going to do my shut up Wesley Star Trek, the next generation podcast uh, on that night. Are you guys <laughs> meeting here? Or are you going to like, no, she was like, cool. Cause we're going to do it here at our place. So, cause Jimmy Mac has to go to work after that. I was like, cool. I'm going to be at space station, which is right around the corner from the pack. If you guys aren't done yet, by the time I'm done, I'm just going to go walk across the street and watch a show. That no. that is how you do it. You have to have communication and being efficient with keeping your calendar and not getting so laser focused. Because that's when you start missing birthdays. That's when you start like hurting your friends' feelings. Where they're like, "I thought we, I thought we, we talked the other day and we said we were going to go out to like happy hour on Thursday. And now, now you're now you're going to a movie with this other person because you were invited to a to a VIP screening. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I'm, I'm oh I'm so sorry. I forgot about that. 
nothing. I tell everybody if we're talking about it in a bar or something, I'm like, look, we're in a bar right now, we're having drinks, email me. If you yeah. don't email me, it's not real. It doesn't exist. And then the email is there, and then I put it in calendar, and that's how that's how I keep all that stuff straight. Yeah, that is really great advice because. And that, so now the advice, the the advice I'm taking underneath the advice you gave is um, how to be a better boyfriend to Justina because <laughs> I am not well, as good at um, saying like, "Hey, what's going on this night?" as I should be. Oh, dude, Liz put in a lot of work on me. I did not. I did not start that way. She put in a lot. To her credit, she put in a lot of work. She's very patient, and she was like, "Good, remember communicating." Hey, just remember. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that kind of just being efficient things at that time, uh, and then it just it ends up being it, it's second nature now, and now it just mm-hmm. it's that whole thing. Again, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. We're all saying stuff that has come before. There's how many self help gurus books and, and seminars that you can pay hundreds of dollars and go to. And that's what they tell you. They're like, drink more water, mm-hmm. make sure you get sleep, make sure that you're being, uh, you're making contacts, make sure that you're keeping a scound, make sure you're developing good habits. Mm-hmm. That's all related. Mm-hmm. You know, improv is a way to develop good habits of how to be a better human being. It's hard to be a good improviser and a shitty friend at the same time. There it is. Thanks so much for yeah. being on the podcast again, Brian. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it, man. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be uh, up New York way sooner or later. And if I'm not, if you ever come out to Los Angeles, well, God, please stop. So appreciate having him on the podcast again. I really, I really appreciate him. I just love his passion and his integrity as both an improviser and a man. He's a real good guy. And if you want to find out more about him, you can go to itsboc.com. And don't forget, he mentioned his movie in there, Bloodsucking Bastards. It's on Amazon Prime, and you can check it out. It's a horror comedy. This is the time of year for it, right? And don't forget, subscribe to that newsletter. It'll get you an entry to win that great book, Comedy Writing for Late Night TV, that we're giving away this Friday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at There It Is Pod. We have some great episodes in the can and others coming soon. Can't wait to share them with you. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.